Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A blazing fire under the body of the nitro-powered Toyota Camry of Alexis DeJuria, and this is as bad a fire as you're ever going to see. On this episode, we're talking to no-prep racer Joey Baroni and South Mountain Raceway's Mike Natoli. Eric Anders is your 2020 Pro Stock World Champion in stunning fashion. That's right, the first racer to ever win a Wally going no-prep racing. Scotty's out on Andrew at 1,000 feet. It's Scotty Polacek for the first time in his career. This is the NHRA Insider. Tony Schumacher! Wow, what an appropriate way to end this one. 28 10,000 at the strike. An instant classic final round. Hey everybody, Brian Loans here, your host for the NHRA Insider Podcast. Great to have you back here for another episode of the show. And this is a very different episode than we've done in the past, and we're kind of switching gears a little bit. We'll continue to uh, diversify our subject matter over the course of this 2021 Camping World Drag Racing season. This week we're talking about no prep, but we're not just talking about no prep drag racing. We're talking about it in the form of no prep drag racing awarding Wally trophies. What? He's saying this is impossible. Who does that? Well, it's happened, and it happened at South Mountain Raceway, great little drag strip in Boiling Springs, Pennsylvania. We're going to talk to the operator of that track, Mike Natoli. He's the second guest on the show, and we're going to have uh, Joey Baroni on as our first guest. Joey Baroni, the winner of the very first Wally ever given at a no-prep race for NHRA competition, and uh, this is a program that NHRA started called Speed for All, and you've obviously seen and heard the tagline, you've seen the hashtag Speed for All, but it's now a program that racetracks can opt into where they can hold a race, it is their Speed for All race, there is a cool special Wally that is given out for it, it is a Wally trophy, but it's kind of a cool like graphite different color. And this is basically the track is promoting their own event. The track is putting on a race. It's not for another series to come in. It's for the track to put on its own event, whether it's a no prep race or a radial race or a big tire race or a pro mod race, whatever they want to have. This is their their speed for all event. And it's kind of an encouraging program for the NHRA to have these tracks diversify a little bit, maybe go after the streetcar crowd, go after the small tire radial crowd, or in this case, it's South Mountain Raceway. They went no prep racing, and they did it in a big way. They brought in a, some big-name racers. They they invited them up. Uh, the team from Mississippi were going to be talking to Joey Baroni, uh, driving the Swamp Thing car. They had the, 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 the brother car, if you will, the Swamp Thing there called White Zombie, and all of these uh, stories will be told by the people involved, but it's a pretty big deal, and it's a very cool thing that it happened at such a historic track as South Mountain Raceway that's been open since 1962 because it does show that a, a, an older racetrack, a historic-level racetrack, can keep pace with the trends in modern drag racing, can participate in those trends, and can pack the place. They had scads of spectators at this event. It was probably one of the biggest events they've held at the place since it opened in 1962. So, you know, we're talking about no prep racing. A lot of people don't understand what no prep racing is or what it isn't. They think it's one thing when it really might not be. It is definitely a form of competition that has gotten popularized through the No Prep Kings television series, um, has certainly gotten a lot of people to a lot of racetracks. The, the guys and girls that race in the No Prep King series are basically household names in the sport of drag racing, even though they don't race with NHRA. They are well-known by NHRA and drag racing fans. The Swamp Thing car and Joey Baroni, more so the car at this point is Baroni is fairly new to the seat, but the car itself is well-known from coast to coast if you love no prep drag racing. So 
what people don't understand about no prep racing is how pro level it is. I mean, these are professionally built cars that are almost specifically built to go no prep racing. They're engineered differently in terms of their suspension setup, engine placement, driver placement. A lot of different things are done. How the engines are tuned, certainly very different in a no prep style event than one where you're going to have full prep on your racetrack, whether it's a radial event or a traditional, say, big tire drag race. So the cool thing about what the no prep racers are doing is they're taking so much horsepower managing it on a surface that is contains no glue basically the rules uh they they vary from race to race the setup varies from race to race but you're either going to be on a track that has been scraped bare or you're going to be on a track that receives no prep other than the broom driving over it a couple times to knock off any you know loose debris dust dirt if you will uh from the pit area that's been tracked up now, over the course of a typical race day at a no-prep event, the track eventually does get better because you send cars down it. Those cars leave a little rubber behind, and the track kind of comes in your favor. But over the first couple of rounds at a no-prep event, it is typically wild, pedaling, sideways action, the type of things that people absolutely, certainly love to watch because it is very unpredictable. It puts the driver front and center. It puts the tuner front and center. And uh, it provides a show. Anything that uh, anything that sends a drag car kind of hopping and bopping sideways down a drag strip is what have attracted people to the fence since this since the sport started. The idea of overwhelming power on a surface that is incapable of handling all that power at once, and that power having to be managed and applied in the best possible way—it's really what no prep racing is. It is power management and driving ability. So for those of you that have have discounted this side of drag racing, I'd encourage you not to, and I'd encourage you to pay attention to the interviews with both Joey Baroni and Mike Natoli on this show because they're revealing in in different ways. The interview with Baroni is is revealing in, in what he does to get the car down the racetrack and what he does to prepare himself and what his driving background is. And the interview with Mike Natoli is, is very enlightening in terms of a community racetrack, small community racetrack being run, in a traditional way and when you hear some of the things that Mike Natoli does at his drag strip um, I think you're going to make you're going to smile because they're things that maybe in 2021 other tracks can learn from to some degree he does things in a way that you'd think is almost from a bygone era but as it turns out continuing to do those things in that traditional way is what has defined his success as a track operator so it is kind of cool every once in a while maybe more than that, more frequently than that, to hear from somebody who is succeeding and is doing things that are rooted in history and have proven themselves decade over decade to be um, to be good tactics, even if they are maybe more labor-intensive or maybe if they require a little bit more effort, uh, like most things in life, if they're more labor-intensive and require more effort, chances are they're probably better, and um, it's going to be neat. This is a racetrack that is certainly social media savvy, like all racetracks have to be these days, but... Um, as community savvy as any track that I've heard of in modern times and maybe more community savvy than a lot of tracks out there. And in this day and age, in this time period, we know what's been going on with racetracks as of late. Uh, We need as many great, impassioned, community-involved track operators as we can possibly get. And Mike Natoli, after you hear him speak, you'll know why he is on that list for me. 
on the NHRA Camping World Drag Racing Series side of things. Before we get into our interviews, June 11th through the 13th, it is going to be the TaskAparts.com NHRA New England Nationals presented by Bandero Premium Tequila happening at New England Dragway in Epping, New Hampshire. You can go to NHRA.com or NewEnglandDragway.com to get your tickets. This will be a 100% capacity style event. There are no restrictions from the state of New Hampshire on crowd size, and we expect to sell New England Dragway out wall-to-wall and end-to-end as we have done for several years now. It'll be great. It's the series returning to this drag strip for the first time since 2019 because we could not race there due to COVID restrictions in 2020. Other news in and around the sport so far this week. It's been fairly quiet after our off week, or I should say during an off week after we raced in Houston, Texas. Make sure you follow along on NHRA.com. We had some great conversations with racers like Rachel Meyer and Robert Height. Going to be talking to David Barton this week as well. You can stay up to date on everything going on. And a slew of NHRA Nitro time machines that I know you're going to love concentrating around New England Dragway, the racers of New England Dragway, and their historical impact on the world of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing. All right, our first guest in this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast is the first guy in the history of NHRA drag racing to ever win a Wally at a no-prep race. He drives one of the most iconic cars in the no-prep scene. You likely know it. It is a Nova station wagon called Swamp Thing, and his name is Joey Baroni. Joey, how you doing, man? I'm doing fine. How are you? Doing really well, and uh, it's really fun to catch up with you. I'm actually talking to uh, track operator Mike Natoli after we get off the phone here, and uh, what a story. And I want to talk to you before we get to the winning the race at South Mountain, grabbing that speed for all Wally, I want to talk about kind of your history in drag racing and how you came to be in the seat of, of Swamp Thing. So how does one get to the levels of no prep racing you're at? Where did you start out at? Well, I started out, you know, street racing back in the 80s. And uh, basically that's that's all we did pretty much back then. And uh, the tracks were just too far away. And uh, so we basically just had to street race. And I bikes a little and uh that's basically how i got into it and what kind of stuff were you guys running on the street back then uh we were running a 68 nova nitrous like big block nitrous set up in there what was, what uh, was it? it was a big block but it wasn't wasn't nitrous back then okay cool all steel all motor and, and so uh, you know and, and so you you kind of start that's your starting point and then how did you kind of evolve yourself after that i mean what was the first thing you actually took to the drag strip and raced uh, it was a 68 Camaro, and we were running in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. State Capital Raceway, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's a cool place, man. I've been down there uh, I've been down there a bunch over the years for uh, both, uh, well, mostly IHRA national events back in the day. But So when you guys started going to Baton Rouge, was it just grudge racing? Were you bracket racing? I mean, just running the thing. What, what, were you, what kind of racing were you doing? We were just running grudge racing. That was, that was it. We were basically running during testing. That makes sense. And how quick was that car? Uh, back then, you know, it was a quarter mile, and it was a little under 10s. Okay, so nice. A single-digit car. And, and at that point in time, was that clocks-off-style stuff? I mean, was it just, uh, you know, was it, was it? we call it no time today, but were the clocks shut off then, or were you guys running the clocks on? I was running the clocks. Okay. Yeah, so it was real kind of traditional stuff. And when did you when did you kind of start to transition over onto the, the grudge side? And then I guess my – I really want to get to your, your no prep racing career. And I can kind of see why this style of racing appeals to you because you come from the street. Uh, you come from an environment where there isn't a lot of prep to start with. So what was the first car you went no prep racing in and why is this style of racing something you like so much? 
Well, I, I have to I have to lay this on you too. I, I got out of drag racing, and I got into uh, dirt super late model racing. Oh, really? So, okay. So I want to say that that has helped me with my driving style because we run on every pretty much every kind of surface that you can run on. You know what I mean? Yeah, and those cars you really do have to drive. In my understanding, anyway, you got to really drive those cars by feel a lot. You know, you have to understand what's going on underneath you, much like I guess you do in a no prep style drag race car. Yes, sir. You you feel it by the seat of your pants, and it's kind of hard to explain to someone that hasn't had that feeling. You know how you feel the car and what it's doing. And uh, but then in the getting into the no prep end of it, I was still painting cars and. Uh, Swamp thing had got damaged. You know, they had another driver at the time. Yes. And, uh, you know, he was a pretty good driver. So, but anyway, uh, I fixed the car for him and everything. And then I started going with them. <clears throat> and I went to several chassis schools. And um, so they needed a little help. Then I started in and then wound up uh, learning a lot from Martin Evies and Gary Williams and them. And, uh, Learned a lot on the computer and as far as, you know, setting up these nitrous motors and tuning on them. And anyway, I was just doing the chassis and then, you know, they kind of had a little bump in the road. And so Swamp Thing stayed parked for a year while uh, myself and Ken Clark focused on White Zombie. Uh, and we started doing good with it. And uh, the boss walked in one day and said, uh, you're going to drive Swamp Thing. And I said, uh, hold on a minute now. I'm a little rusty. So uh, I, I'll get, he said, well, hold on now. Let me just, do you want to drive? And I said, yes, sir. I'd like to give it a shot. And if I, if I can't handle it safely, I'll be the first one to tell you. And uh, we, we got the car ready and uh, went testing and uh got about 27 passes under my belt uh and testing there you know since you know, i hadn't set one since probably about 96 something like that man so it's been a while yeah so, so it's been a while and i wanted to make sure that i was good because i i'm not the type of person that's going to try to drive over my head and i don't i don't want to tear this piece of equipment up and i don't want to you know tear somebody's car up by by being stupid you know, so we did the testing and everything worked out good. And it was like, you know, I, I just fell right in it. And, you know, uh, we went on to Pennsylvania up there. And we, like I said, we had a little testing, but uh, when we got up there, it was no testing. It was off the trailer. And that's pretty much how we do everything. And, uh, you know, we had to, the boss had an unfortunate little, little deal there on the first second pass you know light contact though thankfully it was light contact (laughs) but uh but anyway so wound up focusing just on swamp thing and uh you know made it better each round and i had to get better each round because it's kind of hard seeing over that both those carburetors and that scoop you know, you just, you kind of got to search for the guy because we were doing like he had a headlight on his head. And so anyway, basically the way I was doing, I was, I couldn't really see him. So I was leaving off the other car. 
Yeah, and so so people that don't understand this style of racing, it's not you're not getting started off a tree. You have a starter out there, and that guy flashes a light, and that's how you leave. So it's not like a traditional Christmas tree. It's an instant. It's an instant kind of leave. And you know, as hard as it is to see a Christmas tree in a car that has a, in your low seating position with a chop roof, plus you got the giant hood scoop, it is. I got to imagine, like you said, impossible to see a dude with a flashlight out there. So you were actually just leaving off the sound of the other car, leaving off their move. Correct. Yeah, that's that that takes a little bit of guts too because you're automatically kind of putting yourself at just a minor, you know, at least in terms of a reaction time, you're putting yourself at a minor disadvantage, so you're really going to trust yourself in the car at that point. Yes, sir, and you know, and I'm I'm taking my eyes off my my contact at the end of the track track where I'm pointed, you know, where I'm where I'm focused at in the track. I kind of like to keep one eye down there on on the starter or three, you know. And so I was I was trying to do that and focus on the, the car beside me when I couldn't see. The The left lane was worse than the right lane, so as far as being able to see. But, uh, you know, when it come down to the, the money pass, I was on my game. Yeah, and, and it's an important thing to talk about, too. I mean, this the, the, it's a little racetrack. It's a great little racetrack up, up in Pennsylvania, and the place was packed. I watched some videos and saw some footage from the day, and I don't know if they've had that many people inside that place in the 50 years it's been open. So it's clearly a very popular style of drag racing, and I guess what brought you guys, I mean, to tow all the way from Mississippi up to Pennsylvania, what was the attraction to come all the way up there? Well, uh, Tommy Rake was helping put on the event there, and uh, and we're kind of good friends, and uh, they wanted us to come, and so we put that in our schedule to go up there. You know, we haven't been up that part of the country, and so we wanted to check out the facilities and see what it's like up that way. And because uh, normally we'll hang out down south in Texas, uh, you know, Oklahoma, that type of stuff, and and we've been venturing to towards the northeast this. I know but, that I know they were super happy to have you there, and and it was uh, it was a really neat thing for a like, guy live in New England, so I live up in the Boston area, and, and I follow all aspects of the sport. So to have a um, you know a car and a team of the Swamp Thing caliber up in this part of the world is unique, and it's cool. And I hope you're not the I hope you're not the last ones to venture up here and and try the waters out because people love it. Oh man, we had a great time. The people were great. You know, uh, my. Right. They they put on a real good show, and like I said, it's hard to do it. You got to have a, a good facility, you got to have a good promoter, you got to have the fans. Yeah, and you know NHRA, you know you know is putting their neck out too. They're out, you know, uh, supporting this stuff, and so you know that's real nice to see too, because you know we put a lot of time and effort into these cars to make sure that we're safe. We just don't. You know, take stuff out on the on the street and try to be unsafe. We try to do it in a in an environment, you know, to where you know it's street racing, but it's still legal. Yeah, and and that's I think that's an important thing that that a lot of people maybe don't understand about like the no prep style of drag racing is like the amount there is as much investment in in equipment, in horsepower, in safety, in a no prep style car like Swamp Thing than there is in a normal Pro Mod car. I mean, it, and there are differences in how they're built. You know, where you're going to put the motor in that car is going to be different than where you put it in a standard Pro Mod car that's going to run on prep racetracks. But when it comes right down to it the level of investment, the level of equipment is extremely high in this style of drag racing. It is. It is. It really is. And, you know, and, and big tire, the big tire cars is harder 
it's harder to get them into into these events. I don't know why, but you know, it's it's harder to fill the field with big tire cars than it is small tire. But you know, the the more that they do these type of events, and the more interest that people are seeing in it, what we're actually trying to do, you know, you know, we're not trying to be just outlaws. You know, we just get that name, but we're we're actually good people trying to have a good time. And, and do the stuff that we can afford to do in uh, in a safe manner, you know. Yeah, and, and it's, yes, stuff happens. You know, it happens in anything you do. Absolutely. But we try to prepare and get our cars to where, you know, it, that's why you, you test and you, you, you try to be safe and you try to make sure that your cars are doing what you want them to do before you go to something like that, you know. Yeah, and it's it's a really it's a really pure form of drag racing when you get right down to it. I mean, it's you know South Mountain Dragway opened in 1962, and what you guys were doing at, at a much higher level, you know, at a much higher level uh, in 2021 is basically what they were doing in '62. You, you guys, there, there's no scoreboard to that racetrack, and even if they were, they'd be shut off. Um, you're, you're starting off a basically a, a human starter instead of a Christmas tree, and it's like. I think it's pretty cool because it really does take drag racing back to its most basic element of figure out how to make your car work on this surface and then figure out how to get down there ahead of the other guy. And it doesn't matter what it looks like as long as you get to the finish line first. Exactly. You're, you're basically racing the road. I don't worry about who's next to me. You know what I mean? I worry about trying to figure that road out because some of these roads, I mean, you can take like Darlington, for instance, we run in from the backside. And, uh, you know, it's all different types of surfaces wherever you go. So, so it's a tuner's game. You know, you got to rig the road and you got to try to set up your car there because you can test wherever you want to. But when you get to there, you can throw all them notes out the window because it's, to it's totally different. So once you get there, you got to start thinking about what you're going to do. And you're not worried about no time slip. You're not worried about any of that. You're just worried about getting from point A to point B faster than the guy beside you. What's, uh, what's something that you've learned uh, in your time in this, whether it's on the tuning or the driving side, that maybe surprised you? Like when you were making those initial 20, 30 kind of test runs to get yourself uh, comfortable in the race car, what was it that maybe surprised you behind the wheel? Something you didn't expect but but maybe came to you quicker than you expected, or was it how hard the car would pull on an unprepped surface? I mean, what's what kind of surprised you in that process? Uh, well, from back when I used to do it till now, the the power and, and, and the G's that you pull on it is a whole lot more than what it was. <laughs> and so, and I learned that, that these cars here, they don't like running on motor. <laughs> <laughs> They like a they like a little of that that juice on the hit or they won't act right you know what I mean and so you know it's just it's just been playing playing with them and 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 I take a lot of notes and you know I learn every pass every time I make a hit a, a lick or the boss makes a lick you know I'm taking them notes I'm documenting stuff and I'm learning and so now that I'm driving too I'm actually I can feel. Maybe if I go out before him, I can feel what the road may take. So that, then it's going to help him, Yeah, you know, and vice versa. And so, uh, like I said, I learn every day. 
you and mentioned so, it, just to clarify for people too that don't know. So your car is a, a Nova station wagon, the Swamp Thing, and then White Zombie is a, a, a Nova Coupe. Um, obviously has a kind of the cool. Your car has like the the whole kind of patina. Literally looks like it got dragged out of a swamp. His car also has a very kind of cool patina, old school look to it. So um, two of the best looking cars in the game when it comes to no prep because not only are they fun to watch go down the racetrack, but they really are cool visually to look at. Yes, sir. And, and, and we try, you know, we, we try to keep them clean and, 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 and we're there for the fans, you know, we're, we're there. We like the race, but everybody's got to understand without fans and without these guys is willing to risk doing what they do to try to promote a race. We wouldn't be doing any of this, you know? And, you know, like I said, that's off to Mike NHRA and everybody involved that, that helped this event. And I mean, I, I'm, I'm still stoked. That you know, it was hard for me to believe that I actually won a Wally, you know. And so I, I still hadn't sunk in. I'm waiting for it to come in. I, I got to hold the, the one they had there, and Mike had to chase me down the next day because I, I was leaving with that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still unreal on, on how it is support of the fans, you know, because you know it did have another driver. And now I'm I'm in it, and I'm trying to represent well. Uh, we've been doing pretty good this year. Yeah, and, and my next question was going to be, what is the kind of rest of your schedule looking like? Where are you going to be? Are you going to be making any appearances on some of the TV side of things? What are you planning on doing for the rest of the year? Uh, we were we were going to do some of that, but the rules they wanted us to change a bunch of stuff on Swamp Thing, and so we just didn't see it. You know, being yeah that we put in them we didn't see raising the roof and doing away with the wheel tubs and all this stuff when we changed white zombie over to meet the rules and then they wanted to demote us to future street outlaws which you know is five thousand to win and you don't get to go into the invitational so it's yeah. kind of like yeah it's not worth it's, the not worth the investment of time and money when you can be out there actually running the car as it sits no sir but we have a we were going to be in ohio well, we had a little problem with the hauler, so we're not going to make it there this weekend. But uh, we got a race there in Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, for 10K, July the 2nd and July the 10th. We're in the in Dominion Raceway in Virginia. And then uh, in August, we'll be at Farmington Dragway in North Carolina. Man, and that's a great racetrack. Have you ever run Farmington before? That place is awesome. I hadn't, but I'm waiting to go. Yeah, it's killer, man. You'll love that place. It's old school. It's uh, it's a you're gonna have a blast at Farmington. And uh, on the 28th, we just got an invite only deal. I really can't talk too too much about it, but it's at uh, Muncie Dragway in Albany, Indiana. See, Albany. Man, you're putting some miles on this hauler, man. From Pennsylvania to Albuquerque, New Mexico, Virginia, North Carolina, and then headed up to Indian to the uh, Indiana. Man, that's that's killer. You guys, it's a busy schedule. Yeah, so that's pretty much what we got this year. And, uh, you know, it, it just, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a good guy to work for. And, uh, and he lets us kind of pick, discuss what we want to do together where, where he can put it into his schedule because he has, he works about 70 employees he has to deal with. So, you know, this is what he does to play and it's what I do to work, you know, and I'm just fortunate enough that, I have a dream job. 
Yeah, man. Well, I, by all rights, it certainly seems like you've earned it through uh, your own hard work and experience and uh, being studious out there, paying, paying attention to tuning the thing, and now obviously having your shot in the seat, and it's uh, it's going really well. I think it's uh, I think it's a huge deal. I think it's something that is certainly great for the racetrack, but I really double down think it's cool that you know, in terms of NHRA and in terms of the people listening to this podcast who may not be familiar with no prep style drag racing or have an idea about it that's wrong, um, it's a big deal that you hold a Wally, an NHRA Wally from a no prep race. It's a, it's, you know, uh, you may agree, you may disagree, but I really think in drag racing, like we all got to be kind of behind each other in this thing. And it doesn't make any sense to be like picking on each other. If you got, everybody's got their thing, but, but we can all do this together. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, 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 I'm the type of, I don't, I don't really watch football, so I watch all types of racing. I love drag racing and I love no prep racing. So pretty much when I'm watching TV, that's what's on, whether it's, <laughs> stuff, yeah. whether I'm watching old stuff or new stuff, I, I'm into racing and watching, watching these cars work. And, and I pick up on a lot of different things, you know, when you're at the racetrack, you, you know, I'm not only watching, but I'm learning. So, well, man, congratulations on the win at South Mountain. Good luck for the rest of the season. And um, like I said earlier, you you are driving, in my opinion, literally one of the coolest cars in drag racing. I mean, the thing is, it's just so killer to look at, and obviously, it works real good on on whatever surface you put it on. So, well done, sir. Well, I appreciate it, Brian. I'm in here working on the front ends today, trying to get a little more travel on them and get this bump here dialed in, where we can get a little more travel to help us on some of these surfaces because you know these cars are really set up for no you know they say call it no prep but you know it's just not prepped that weekend yeah but uh and so on the street you got to have a little more travel so that's what i'm trying to work on today and getting these cars ready to go test this weekend and uh but i appreciate everything that y'all do and uh nhra for their support and uh, Mike, for everything he did, Tommy Reek, and the rest of the guys that put hours into it, I think Kenny Beaverson and Frank Ott and a couple other guys helped put that together in Pennsylvania. And it was a, it was a, it was a good show. And like I said, you got to plan to make it good. That's you just right. can't put a flyer up and expect everybody just to show up. <laughs> you know, you got you to plan it. So they did a good plan, good job, and I mean, like I said, the fans were there, and without them, we wouldn't be doing any of this. Joey Baroni, thanks for taking the time. You should be following him on social media. You should be following Swamp Thing and the No Prep world in general to make sure you find out where he's going to be in the wagon. Joey, thanks again, man. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You have a blessed day. All right, so our second guest in this episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast is the track operator South Mountain Raceway, a place that's been drag racing since 1962, Mr. Mike Natoli. Mike, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing living the dream, making drag racing fun and great again, let me tell you. Your racetrack is uh, your racetrack is a heck of a spot, man. I, I was able to visit it uh, years ago before you were the uh, the owner of the property, the operator. But, man, I got to tell you something. It's a, it's a throwback in a lot of ways, and you're doing – great work down there so i guess my first question for you is how long have you been involved with the place and and how long has this place been rocking and rolling okay i've been involved june 24th i closed on the property and and uh 2014 the track was uh bankrupt it was uh it was in a disarray it, it was i can't tell you how many dumpsters i filled to <laughs> get rid of the, the, the riff raff and junk 
Uh, you know, it was a, it really, it really was in, in, in poor shape. It is a beautiful, beautiful uh, venue. It's got a natural setting. Uh, you know, back in 1958, there was a local car club, a bunch of a bunch of street races uh, coming out of the the uh, Pap Tangers garage, which was a uh, um, a Flying A garage. That's where the, that Flying A came from. Oh, cool. Okay. Club. Yep. So that's they all they all were like Fonzie. I mean, they were all wearing. Uh, <laughs> You know, they were all wearing their uh, coveralls. They all worked for Pat Tang, and they used to race right down the roads, all the roads, street races, and and uh, the the community and the, the uh, you know uh, Larry Bates. God, God bless him. He's he's right now. He so suffered a stroke, but he's coming around really well. But he was one of the original guys running a D two. They bought the they got some fundraisers, got some uh, bought this piece of property, bought these forty five acres. And uh, there's a creek and in, in all involved in, involved in it. And uh, they started in '58, and by '62 they had cars going down the track at 75 cents a car. And uh, you know, it's 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 just a uh, South Central PA. You know, you used to say South Central LA, right. but we got we got South Central PA. And uh, what a beautiful! We're in the dead. We're at the uh, midpoint of the Appalachian Trail. You know, right by Gettysburg, Hershey, Lancaster, Carlisle. I mean, we're we're in a real uh, hotbed of car-centric people, and uh, it it is it is. I, I I get the chills just thinking. I don't know how I got this place, but uh, well, that's that uh, was going to be my next question because you know it, it does take um it, it takes a special and I mean this in the best of ways. It it takes a special person to actually operate one of these facilities in the way it should be operated. And clearly you're that guy because you've been at it for years with success. So I want to talk about one, what drove you to buy this place and two, what kind of keeps you on top of it? What keeps your passion alive here at, uh, at South mountain raceway? Well, I got to tell you, Brian, it was, uh, I, I living on long Island. I grew up here on long Island and worked for a speed shop since I'm 13 years old. And, been racing and drag racing. We had a, a little eighth mile track called Islip Speedway. Sure. And, and uh, it's been on television. I mean, a, a fantastic track, little track. I never raced there. I wanted to race where National, New York National and, and Long Island Dragway was. Those were quarter mile tracks. And I used to drive past that eighth mile track. Never, I'd never set foot on that track. I only got to see it when it became a cookie factory. Ugh. And, uh, and, and, and the neighbors are all upset that because all they hear is trucks all night long. You know, before it was they just heard race cars on a Saturday night. But long story short, uh, Deb and I, uh, 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 my partner in this thing, we, we went to the Henry Ford Museum. And on our way back, my friend Top Fuel Tony was, was racing at Carlisle at the Mopars. And he said, stop and see us, you know. And uh, I pulled into this little track and drove up that hill. And when you can look, I looked at Deb and I, and I looked at this track, when you can see who's pulling in the gate, who's in the pits, who's driving down to the staging lanes, the burnout, the wheel stand, the launch, the finish line right in front of you, and then the parachute coming out. I looked at Deb and I said, and we're on the side of a, you've been there, so you know, yes. we're on a natural venue. This is, I mean, I gave away blankets because I, you don't even need the bleaches. You don't need, you know. <laughs> People just uh, uh, go out there and uh, uh, hold on one second. Somebody's peeping in on us, and uh, so uh, you know we look. I looked at this place. I looked at Deb. I says, "This is the coolest track I've ever been to." I mean, I've been to Vegas. I've been to. I haven't been to Pomona yet, but that, that's on my bucket list. But uh, 
you know, I, I've been to the Strip. I've been to Norwalk, you know, Bill Bader's place. I mean, that was tremendous. I've been there many times with, with Kirk Johnson. And when he was pre- – I learned how to prep a track watching this guy. I don't know how it happened, Brian, but we were out there racing, and, and, I, I, and I messed up the track, and I felt so bad. I went to races for Christ the next day because I I'm, thank God those guys stopped me. I would have wrecked my car. And uh, it was bad night. It was a bad night. I had an airlifting guy out that night. And, and uh, you know, uh, just but uh, okay. so real quick, real quick, uh, uh, you know, we pull up there and when, and, and, and I, I look at Deb and then that was 2010. And I came back there until the place closed down and they, there was no more racing. And my buddy Tony says, Mike, you know, that place is up for sale. It went bankrupt. And I had just sold my home, and I was looking to retire. Where am I going to be able to race? And it was somewhere in Pennsylvania, so I can go to Englishtown, Atco, Maple Grove. You know, you name the place, I was going. You know, am I at the hope everywhere I can possibly go? Well, guess what? My race car hasn't been down the track since 2014, <laughs> and 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 I'm having more fun and enjoying this. And I prayed, Brian. I can tell you, I prayed every single night to the good Lord saying, are you sure you want me to do this? I tried to, I don't, are you sure? And I couldn't get it out of my head. And that's the special person I guess you have to be. When, you, when you're when you praying every night that you sure you want me to do this? And I couldn't get, I couldn't stop it. It was like, it, it, once it started, I couldn't stop it. And now it's going and I'm taking it, I'm taking it to the finish line now. You know, uh, in fact, as we're speaking, that track has no scoreboards. And that's one of the things that, the, you know, when I first bought the track, the the uh, uh, Tom Hagen, God rest his soul, from TSR. good guy. Tom. Really good guy. I knew Tom from uh, back in the day. Yeah. Brian, well, we were the last timing system that he was going to – I purchased the last timing system because he passed away. It was July uh, 4th weekend, and, and we were, we were going to have – we had him contracted to come. I bought it on June 24th. I have things paid, clean, ready to go. The timing system ready to go in, and uh, I spoke. I spoke to Tom the weekend, you know, on Friday before. I said, "We're all set to go, right?" "Yep, we're all set." I said, "All right, so I'll see you Tuesday, and uh, we'll get the timing system in Friday. We're going to do Mopars at the you know, crisis at at Carlisle is in town, and we were going to have our first race on that Friday." And he says, "You know, Mike, it's a long weekend. You never can tell." I said, "Listen, I'm from New York. We we don't this. this we got playing ABC, you know." Yeah, you know, they're not ready for me, you know. So, so Tom says, "Yeah, with all of that, um, I got to tell you." Tom Hagen says, "Yeah, you never can tell." And I get a call from his partner Duke on Tuesday morning, and he says to me, "Mike, we're not coming." I, I'm like, "What? What? What's going on?" You know, he goes, "Well, Tom was lighting off fireworks with his grand grandkids, and he had a massive heart attack, and he's gone." Yeah. And I, well, whatever you guys need. So I'm like sitting there, and what do we do? And my buddy Mike Trotter says, Mike, do it old school. I says, do it with stopwatches, a flag with flags, and 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 get cars down the track. So that Sunday, we had about 36 cars show up, and people just wanted to come down. They said they had more. People were running out of gas. They were running out of fuel. <laughs> they made so many laps. And we did it, you know, we did it old school. We didn't stop. Nothing stopped us. We kept going. And, uh, you know, a couple, uh, we contracted with Rusty Crawford to, to put an accurate time timing system in. And, and we ran it for a few, few weeks just with stopwatches and, and flags. Uh, and then we, we got the timing system in. And right now, as we speak, I finally, we got some scoreboards. 
And, uh, oh, wow, you know, that's great. people, yeah, people kept going, hey, what are you going to put scoreboards? You know, that was the first thing I said, I'm looking for some investors. And guess what? Two guys, two brothers, two twins, the Swenson step up and he said, listen, how about we go a third, third, a third? I said, that's good. So we bought, I went down to Texas. We got the scoreboards. We're ready to put them. I had to meet with the, I was having problems with the township and it, we, we couldn't get on the same page. COVID hit, so it's like two years I got these scoreboards sitting in my garage that I built. <laughs> and and now finally I got the okay after COVID to plant them. So we, we dug some holes. Uh, Ken Beaverson, we, we got a 30-inch auger, man. We, we, I augered them in this week. We got rained out this week. And I, you know, like Maple Grove did and everybody yep. else. And uh, Monday I had a track rental, so I didn't. And then that guy canceled that on me. So... We, you know, but uh, uh, the long story short, we got a lot of things accomplished and we're getting ready to plan some posts and put scoreboards up. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things when I first bought the track, all these street races are coming up to me because I didn't have a timing system. I didn't have scoreboards. And they go, let's do some no prep stuff. And I'm like, no prep. Well, what are you crazy? I'm like, <laughs> you know, you, you guys, are, you guys are insane. No prep. I, I would go crazy if there was a, I was always blaming a track anyway. It was half the time with my car. You know? And, and uh, yeah, I remember Eddie Cray was, oh yeah, Eddie changed to some, you know, up in English town. He, Eddie, Eddie was a track manager. And that guy was, Eddie's a, he's a man. I'll tell you, Eddie Cray was just a man. He knew every fart and frill was going on in English town. I'd sneak another driver in my car, and he'd come up to me, and he goes, oh, you're supposed to be driving that car. <laughs> and I was like, how did this guy catch this? This guy's unbelievable. <laughs> but now I'm that guy. Now I'm that guy. I walk, I do this. I know everything that's going, pretty much everything. If I don't know, somebody comes over and gives me a little nudge. Hey, check out this stuff, you know. But running a track, Brian and, and uh, South Mountain, these guys are talking about no prep. I, I, uh, three years ago, we went to PRI. And uh, uh, I was supposed to meet with uh, Tommy Reek, uh, JT from RPM Magazine. I don't know if you know JT. I do. Of, yep, JT. So we get there, and, and we're waiting for Tommy. And Tommy turns. He comes all the way there, and he turns around because he had a problem with the hotel. He drives all the way back to Long Island. You crazy nuts. Oh, my God. Then I had a spare room. We had one guy had a spare room. He could stay with us. So three years ago at PRI, we were trying to put something together. And, you know, I, I told, you know, Tommy, he goes, oh, Mike, you know, I, I give him this thing. I said, I know some guys that I'm watching these guys. These guys can hook in a car wash, yeah. you know. I mean, these guys, no prep. I'm watching these guys. This guy, uh, Ken Beaverson, uh, real good uh, uh, supporter of the drag strip. I couldn't ask for I mean, he's done more. I couldn't get half of the stuff done with the people. That's what makes the track. Because I'm, I'm just a working slob, love drag racing. Been around it my whole life. That's my father asked me, where do you want to go for your birthday? National Speedway. I want to go see the funny cars. I want to go see Don Padome and, and, and you know, and, and all, the, all the big guys, all the big names, you know. So, um, real is, is that my timer? Was that a timer or something? No, no, no. That's, that's, no man, you, there is no timer here. This is the internet. All right. We can do whatever you, we want. Usually they get a, usually Deb, somebody comes over and gets a hook on me and says, shut him up, you know. <laughs> but but no. Brian, I got to tell you, we got, we got it together. It was three years in the making, and it, and it all fell together. You know, I always say it's not my time. It's in the good Lord's time. And when NHRA, when, when the Speed for All trophy came to be, I said, this, this couldn't be a better fit than what, for what we want to do. And, and uh, when I watched these cars, I, I, I was talking about Ken Beaverson. We set them down off the concrete. I got, a, I got a, a 124 feet of concrete starting line. You know, 
from the starting line out. It's 124. I set him out out on the on the uh, on the blacktop, and this car went down my track like a tomahawk missile, front end <laughs> off the ground. I mean, and he and, and he rode it down, and he. I mean, the car was unbelievable. And then he, every pass he made, the car got A to B better and better. And I looked at him. I said, we got it. This this is going to be unbelievable when we do this no prep stuff. I know you guys can do it because I watch these guys street race here on Long Island. Uh, uh, you know, Nova Kane, uh, Glenn Butler, uh, Glenn uh, Hunter, and all these guys. These guys are running down a no prep surface. And I'm telling you. We had Swamp Thing, Tony Baroni. Couldn't have, couldn't have asked for a better guy to win the first race. Yeah, and, and this that's guy, Joe, I was going to say, this, this guy comes up from Mississippi to race at your yeah. track, right? So talk to me. How did that come together? Because, and actually, let me set this up for the people listening. So NHRA has introduced this program for member tracks called Speed for All. And basically what it is is uh, member tracks can, can get this package that comes with a special Wally and a whole kind of prize pack with it. And the member track can set up a race. It's going to be a heads-up race. The track itself has to promote it and put it on. You guys at South Mountain chose to do a no-prep style race. So now that they understand that, how did you get how did you get Baroni to come up from Mississippi? How did that all come together? Well, Clint, uh, Ken Clark, uh, who owns uh, White Zombie, and uh, and uh, 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 Tommy Reek, uh, White Lightning, and all those guys, they all raced at these airports. I mean, these guys, I mean, they were having some really bad wrecks down yeah. there. And... Uh, you know, uh, 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 they became friends. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, Ken Beaverson and, and Tommy Reed and all of this. And these guys said we could have went out to Vegas and be on the, uh, you know, the the, the JJ the Boss show. Yep. Or come up. We already committed to you, Mike, and we already committed to the guys. You know, they're, they're friends. I mean, these guys are true, true, true racers. I mean, they could have went, you know, down there and been on there five minutes of claim to fame, but I think they're going to get a lot more. These, this, these guys are like, they are so down to earth and such great people. Uh, um, I, I kind of prophesized this when Joey Baroni and those guys pulled in on Friday night, it was raining, misty, nasty the day before the race. And that morning, Ken Clark's out there and, and it was like, I get up as soon as my eyes open, man, I'm, I'm rocking and rolling. You know, we got, we got things to do. And Ken Clark, she's like the first part after. And then I meet Joey Baroni. And this guy's just, I mean, we started laughing right away. We start, I said, Joey, I got to tell you something. He goes, what's that? I go, you're going to win this thing. He goes, what is that? I said, you're the first one here. You want to beat you. First of all, you really <laughs> want it. To drive up from Mississippi up here, you're going to win this thing. And and it, I said, I, I don't I don't normally say things like that, but I know I know where to win is hang out. And and you're one, and and he couldn't have been the better guy to win this. What a what a gentleman, his, his Cassidy, his his wife, uh, uh, you know Ken Clark and the whole crew there. They the, the, everybody there. They, and one of the things we had, uh, what they did, and this was they set this up. I, I I you know I was more welcoming just to get this thing done. You know just to you try. It. I I I I said listen, I have my ideas. But let me see what these guys really want. You know what they sure. what do they need to make this race work for them, and 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 the whole thing. So I let it, you know, I let it go the way they wanted it to go. And I, I had the I had the bottom decision. I made the ultimate call. You know, that's it. It's my track. You know, and I'm I'm looking out for South Mountain. That's it. I'm Absolutely. Here. So, uh, but we we had, we made a lot of changes. It, we we had the best 
day since I've owned the track in seven years. And and uh, it was uh, next year. We're gonna do. We may do another one this year. We're working on it. Uh, uh, Tommy Reek. Uh, oh, we want to do a twenty-four hour race. I'm like, what are you out of your mind? Twenty-four hours. <laughs> I'm lucky I can make it. I make a day. At the end of the day, my eyes close. I'm out. I'm the fastest. First one sleeping. You know, at the end of the day. But you know what we? Uh, it, it it was this. This was. I'm so happy that NHRA is recognizing getting these guys off the street. We got a big car show this weekend coming up. Um, you know, these kids are getting that. We're right by York, York, uh, uh, you know, where the drag strip was sure. down there and, um, York us 30 there. And, uh, you know, they closed it down and these it, it's, like I said, this is the car capital car centric area of, 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 of Pennsylvania or the East coast. And, uh, these kids with all kinds of, I mean, I brought them in off the streets. We're bringing them in off the streets and bringing them to South Mountain. We don't charge them. I got a great guy, uh, cowboy who, who runs the street to strip program. And we got the, we got the local law enforcement involved in it with it too. So it's all, you know, they're getting chased from parking lot to parking lot, from parking lot to parking lot. And, you know, so we're, we're doing, we're, we're bringing them into South Mountain because they don't, you know, very, we, we're trying to be very welcoming to these young people say, hey, come out here. Yeah. Do it here. It's in a controlled well, environment. And that's a huge it's, thing, man, because, you know, so many young, so many young kids these days, young guys or young girls even that, that are into cars, they're intimidated to go to the racetrack and they're intimidated because they don't necessarily know what to do. They don't want to look dumb. They don't want to be embarrassed. But when you're able to provide a place and the method that you're doing it in is perfect, man. It, you make these kids comfortable and they're going to keep coming back because they're going to love the place. And like you said, no one is going to chase them out of there. Right, exactly. And and Cowboy, not only he takes them by the hand and we, we bring them up on a Saturday when there's nobody there and we let them, you know, we teach them about the racetrack. We do a flashlight start, you know, just to get them used to coming down the track and finding the place. You know, where is South Mountain? Yeah. You know, that was one of the things Bob Fry taught me 100 years ago. He says, when I first started, it, we, I went to an announcing. We, we got rid of the announcer. So my friend Mike says, who are you going to get to announce? They're not going to want to listen to you. You know, who says, you, are you kidding me, Natoli? You sound like freaking Muggs McGinnis. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, in fact, Cowboy's on the phone right now. I'm going to chase him away. Um, he, uh, you know, so, so uh, you know, we that's where that's where it came from. Bob Price is the first thing you got to do is go. Because when I pull up to a gas station that's right down the block from the track and they don't know where the track is, there's a problem. Yeah. So the first thing I did is I went to the township. I got on the map. It was they were redoing the maps, so I I got to be right there. It happened like I said, every one of my steps and breaths of plan. And the good Lord, I walked. Hey, happened, and I made it by a week. I got got us on the town map, and every gas station when I pull into the to the local gas stations, I'll ask if there's a new kid working there. I go, you know what South Mountain is? Yeah, make a right right down here, and you'll see it on the on the right hand side. Boom. You know, and uh, so. So that was Bob Fry, and that's and that's how we get these. You know, they all hang out at these gas stations and these parking lots. So we're, we're dragging them down there. And when we did, we're doing a no, we're doing a prep race. We're doing three more prep races. You know, uh, um, uh, pro pro light, and uh, you know, race to the finish. And uh, I don't know if you ever ever heard of Andy Jensen. Oh, Andy Jensen, oh. man, that guy's a badass. He's had all these crazy six second streetcars and everything. I'm super familiar with Andy. Yes. Brian, when I tell you that he is the, the master of a faster, 
and his nephew, Joe Jensen, and his other nephew, Tommy Jensen. I mean, what a racing family. And when I'm at Bruce, I was at Bruce Lawson's place, right? And and a week before this, there was this, he had brought this Willie's down, and he was testing a customer's car down there. And uh, I'm at Bruce's place, and I, and I look, and I see this Willie's pull up, the same Willie's that was at my track. And I'm telling you, it was hustling. I don't want to tell you how fast it was, but it was fast. And what Willie bought, he's him and his, his his wife, he's parallel parking this Willie. <laughs> a parallel park with Willie. I'm like, this car was just going, I don't want to tell you how fast, but down my track. And he's out here with, with parallel parking it. I mean, you know, where the technology and where the I mean, these 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 engine builders, these car builders, they have taken it, you know, uh, 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 you know, through the roof and to the right. I mean, the the technology. I mean, I was I used to drive I drive my race car out to the track and get towed home by my father pretty right. much every day, you know. <laughs> uh, and, and then I got tow hubs and flat towing in a trail. But you know, that's that's my roots. And and I see a guy come with a car that was going that fast on my track, and he's parallel parking in front of Bruce Lawson's house. You know, so I'm like. You know, for people that uh, – just talk to me about kind of what your weekly programs are. Like you run a – I know you run a normal kind of a point series. I know you're part of the you know, NHRA Division One in terms of the, the bracket finals and stuff like that. So let's talk a little bit about what's your normal week. What nights, days do you run? What are your normal kind of recurring series there? Well, we have a – my track, and that's one of the reasons I guess a lot of people wouldn't buy it. Uh, there's a, a – back in the day, Larry Bates, he had his shop next to the place. These guys used to test cars in the middle of the night, so so that they weren't too nice to the neighbors. The neighbors hated that drag strip. They hated it because these these guys are testing cars all day, and they just pull onto the track and start running them, you know. And 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 the neighbors had no peace. So they there was a neighborhood agreement back in 1992, and they limited our racing to one day a week, maybe two days a week. And we couldn't race past dusk, so we got a night a curfew and all of this. Well, uh, you know, so so my my no, that's why nobody really wanted that track. They're like, what else can you do with this track? And you know what? I bought it for my retirement. If it rains on a Sunday, I look at Deb and I go, I got the day off. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm not, I'm not. Listen, my my, uh, I, I I didn't buy this drag strip. I just want it to be sustainable. I want it to be a place to be. I want, you know, some people want to be on a golf course, but when they retire, shooting, they're hitting balls. And some people, I uh, want to, I suck at golf. And, and my, I'm not that great of a fisherman. And I, and I, I love fishing, but I love all that. But drag, drag racing is, is in me, is, is what I'm about. And, and uh, I'd rather retire, wake up and get a track ready and watch everybody come and race. So, uh, you know, we're limited to 30 days a season, about 30, 31 days a season, pretty much just Sundays. And we do a, a races for Christ, non-denom. We can't start an open-headed class till after 1030. So from 10 to 1030, we got RFC chaplain Brian Kuhn, and we do a non-denominational service. Everybody goes racing. That's where the winners mostly hang out. I'll tell you, it is, it's funny. But um, we, we so we do some Fridays. We do. I, I've been speaking to the neighbors uh, giving them VIP cards, hiring them to help us work at the track, the kids. and t- let, During COVID, I had my, the one neighbor, this woman, Nicole. She has two kids, and she said, Mr. Natoli, uh, 
I, I don't know what I would have done without this racetrack here. And thank you so much. Cause I let the neighbors, you know, teach their kids how to ride bicycles and, you know, don't they, they, one neighbor says, how'd you get that building put up? Uh, can you get sidewalks put in? And I, and I looked at it, I says, listen, I got 28 acres of racetrack out there. Go out there and teach your kid. And there's nobody doing a week. Teach him how to ride a bicycle. So I, I really, you know, I want to be a service to the community. And that's, that's it. And to my neighbors. And 2018, we had 14 rainouts. 2019, oh. I had 13 rainouts. And then 2020, I lost April, May, and half of June because of COVID. I was the first track to open in Pennsylvania. I got CPSA, this guy, a young man, one of the professors out at uh, Harrisburg College. He has his finger on the pulse of the Department of Health. He got us. He put a mitigation plan together, and we rocked it. We were the first track to open. We had no issues. I mean, I had the Rachels doing uh, uh, temperature, you know, and we're doing no no tracking, none of that. We did it exactly. The best we can do with yeah. with the least amount of inconvenience to the races. And if anybody gave the girls a hard time, they were getting their temperature checked by Mike Natoli. And it wasn't going to be it was, was going to be from the other end, you know. So, well, you so know, they didn't mess with me. You listen, know I mean? they knew. I said, don't mess. You know, no, everybody. Who, yeah, everybody smiled. It, it was smooth as silk. We got the track open, and and we've had. We've had the best since I've since I mean COVID. We were the only track open. We were packing them in. I had to build more pit spots this year. I had uh, one of my races. He came up. I said, "Listen, I need this place, you know, cleaned up. We we we, we uh, got it squared away, and now we got about another. I, I'd say at least twelve, you know, big trailer pit spots, and and uh, and for you know open trails probably about twenty, and then uh, you know street cars, and we got some additional parking, you know." So uh, we're, we're expanding, uh, Brian, and, and this little track south, and again, uh, 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 it's an eighth-mile track, and when you can see, you know, everything in front of you, uh, and we get these people off the streets away from telephone poles, you know, and and, or, and the grass on the, on, the, on the runways, you know, you see these cars dig in and, and oh, catch brutal. the grass. Brutal. And, and they, they just barrel roll, you know, and uh, I got to knock on wood. Because I've had, you know, we'll, you know, listen, Rex is going to be, uh, is going to happen. As Absolutely. Part of drag racing. Things are going to happen. But thank the Lord, you know, we have everything in place so that, you know, it's a controlled environment. And, you know, uh, we got walls, but we don't have, we have, you know, we have armor core. So we got some, but we got walls out to about 140 feet, I guess. <clears throat> and then, uh, and listen, I've had my street knocked down already. Uh, and, uh, and, that's a, uh, and that's a, a that's a right of that's a right of passage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I tell everybody. I said, listen, I, we have the wall of fame and the wall of shame. Don't get on Mike Natoli's <laughs> wall of shame because you know you leave your. I tell everybody. I, I listen. I got to talk German to you guys because the last guy tried to take the tree out and make sure every all your wheel nuts and everything on your car is German talk. You know what German talk is, right, Brian? I don't. Good in tight, good in tight. <laughs> Make sure it's good in tight. You know that's German talk. Cause I'm in, I'm in, you know, uh, Pennsylvania Dutch territory over here, and uh, they don't understand. You know, what I mean, <laughs> they, that's great. I had to bring Paul Wilhelm, my my Paul Wilhelm. You hear the name Wilhelm? Because at least he's German, and they hear, oh, he's this German guy. You know, because this Italian guy over here from from and I'm friends, good friends with the Dominos. Bobby Domino. Oh, sure. And, uh, you know, him and Vinny and, oh, my God, they're, they're like family to me, you know? 
Well, Mike, uh, I'll tell you this. I, you know, there's it's what I love about your approach here is it is incredibly old school and it's effective in in what you're doing and how you're doing it and the way that you're kind of working with your racers, working with your local community, working with your neighbors. There's a lot to be learned out of all that from a lot of different racetracks, no matter what size they are. And I love the fact that you get your eyes open in as to what's kind of current in the sport, you know, because there are some people that, that can take an old school approach and they just put the blinders on and don't do anything new or don't, don't do anything that is actually current to, to get kids and the, the current kind of youth movement into their racetrack. But man, I, I love talking to you and I love hearing these stories because uh, your racetrack is a gem. You're doing a fantastic job operating the thing, and and whether it's adding the scoreboards or being able to, you know, get these kids off the streets and give them a place to have a car show. This is what a a drag strip should be in its community, and I, I kind of salute you for for doing all those things. Yeah, I, I uh, it's 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 every day I get somebody. I had one of the one of the local my fifty fifty lady. We donate all that money right back to the races fund. We don't take a nickel. And she's she's like the they call it debt, 50 50 debt. And she's up on the new building. She's sitting there and, and she looks over and she goes, You know, Mike, this is a piece of heaven right here. And I looked at it, I go, Yeah, it is. And, uh, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have all the people, all the people that come racing with us, you know, new people coming. They're hearing about us, they're seeing what we're doing. They know we're, we're welcoming and we're going to, you're not, you're going to have a good time when you come to South Mountain. One of the things I always liked, Bill Beta had the, the, the guarantee, yes. you know, and 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 I and I and listen. It's the bottom line. We got to pay the bills, and yep. that, and and some people like you know they expect me to you know give things away. I says you know oh you're, I'm the rich guy from New York. I go do you know I got a, I got a job. In fact, I got to get to work and, and get the, my evaluation done today at eleven thirty. You know what I'm saying? You guys don't understand. I'm a working man. And and one of the guys that, a couple of the guys that were uh, buying Maple Grove there for a little bit, he goes, hey, Mike, can I ask you a question? I go, what's that? He goes, I see like, you know, uh, uh, Cecil County and, and all these other contracts. They all, all those guys have day jobs. They all have other businesses. I go, is, is, I hope you're learning something from that. <laughs> because... We're not, you know what? I mean, it's a when you're dependent. And people ask me who my competition is. Who's your comp, Mike? Is it Mason Dixon? Is it Beaver Springs? Is it Maple Grove? Is it Dominion? I go. You see that big round thing in the sky? That's my competition. <laughs> if we get, if we don't have sunshine and we get rained out, we we, we didn't make it down. But I I don't lose money at least. You know what I mean? I I I try not to lose money. And and uh, it's um, it's I I, I gotta tell you, uh. This this uh, this thing is really like Americana, and 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 people still love it and want to do it, and we're getting and the young people are starting to get it. Yeah. You know, I, I you know, and the next thing I'm doing is the electric cars, the Teslas, and the and the, well, that's the next thing we're gonna absolutely. Be doing, you know, and we'll take we'll take any always always two Amish uh, car, uh, buggies out the track. <laughs> Well, that's the thing, man. If you're gonna if you're gonna be successful, in my opinion, in this business, you need to have the gate open for anybody who wants to come through it and give them, you know, the best experience possible. And man, it's it's great talking to you, Mike. It's uh it's refreshing and it's cool to hear your story and to hear what's going on at South Mountain. Uh, one thing I'll say is for our audience: one, how do they follow you guys on social media? How do they keep track of what's going on with South Mountain Raceway? And and where should they find you on the internet? All right. Well, his Facebook is the, the big thing right now during the COVID. Uh, I lost my webmaster, and uh, so my website right now is under reconstruction. 
And and uh, uh, but if you if you go on my Facebook page and you're looking for a schedule, bang! Oh, I can send it right to you right away. You can call the hotline. We have the uh, our our hotline at the track. You know, that's a, a lot of old school guys by us, and a lot of old school people. They they get mad at me. Hey, you, you know, you didn't change the message on the phone. I saw oh, crap. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so they're still calling the track. You know, back like when we used to call the track. Oh, was it raining out? Was it raining out there? Can yep. we come out? You know. So, uh, but that my, right now in, in the next week or two. Uh, my my uh, website should be back up and running at full bore, you know, wide open and get all the new stuff that's out there. So, but right now, Facebook, SouthMountainRaceway.com, uh, uh, all one word, SouthMountainRaceway.com. You go on our Facebook page and, and check it out. And we're always posting, you know, two, three times a day sometimes, you know. Nice. And uh, even, our, even our local businesses, like uh, one guy races with us, he, hey, Mike, I'm looking for a helper. And which is really cool. You know, he goes, hey, he writes on this thing, he goes, uh, earn a living or, or get paid and we will train you. We, we're looking for helpers. And I, that's the way. To, I mean, you check it out right now. I got my my, my local. Uh, he was actually past a uh, uh, track champion in, in, in pro. Uh, he's got a beautiful body shop, great family. And uh, he goes, Mike, I'm looking for somebody. I said, listen, I'll share it on a Facebook page. So, you know, we're really, uh, you know, uh, looking for a. a you know, to keep this thing going and give people, uh, uh, you know, possibly change their lives, you know? Well, it's, like, it's, it's great, man. I uh, I certainly appreciate you taking the time to, to get us caught up on everything that's going on in South Mountain. Love talking to you, and uh, hopefully I can get back down to your racetrack soon. I'd love to. I'd love to hang out there in the tower and call some runs. Oh, man, that would be great, Brian. We'd love to see. I, I watch you all the time, and what you're doing for drag racing and NHRA, you know, uh, I hate seeing drag strips closed. When English Town closed yeah. down, man, I, we lost all three drag strips out here on Long Island. Now they're just starting to get something going on. But uh, hey, Brian, I'll let you go. I got to get to my evaluation. They're going to see. If I'm probably going to. I better get a good race. I've been coming to work <laughs> all through COVID. He better take care of me. <laughs> Mike Natoli, South Mountain Raceway. Thanks, Mike. Mountain Mike, Mountain Mike. That's my new nickname, Brian. I love Mountain it. Mountain Mike. Thanks, Mountain Mike. What a guy and what a conversation there with Mountain Mike Natoli of South Mountain Raceway. And what a great pair of conversations between both of our guests today. This is a, a different show that we normally do, and it's one that we're going to try to kind of keep pushing our boundaries on. We'd love to talk more into two more track operators about the programs they're running, the different programs that are succeeding, how they are operating their racetracks, and certainly talk to racers that have made an impact on this sport. And Big congratulations to the Baroni boys, everybody up from Mississippi to win that very first NHRA Speed for All Wally and the first person in drag racing history to win a Wally at a no prep race. It has been a fun show, a great show, an enlightening show. We'll be back again next week as it will be a race week getting ready for the TaskOfParts.com NHRA New England Nationals presented by Bandero Premium Tequila. It promises to be a fun weekend coming up in Epping, New Hampshire. We'll focus back on the Camping World Series. We'll talk some Lucas Oil drag racing next week as well. Thanks, as always, for listening to the NHRA Insider Podcast. We bring you interesting stories from inside the world of NHRA Camping World, Lucas Oil, E3 Spark Plugs, and Sportsman Drag Racing. 